Hi, good morning, and welcome to the ZP Vlog and Podcast. This is the second time go at this. I just had a bandwidth issue, so I just restarted. So, um, but let me just jump straight into it. So, um, every week we do like to do this vlog and podcast. I'm really just trying to wrap up news um, from ZP for this week. One of the first things that we want to talk about is um, that ZP will be talking at a Faraday conference. A Faraday conference, um, you're often invited to speak, or you can be invited to speak. You can also submit. Um, on this occasion, ZP was invited, and you know, then we have to do this kind of submission, and we're going to talk about electrosynthesis. Um, electrosynthesis is kind of interesting, see, because for me, it's just a difference in scale that I personally started my career actually doing electroorganic synthesis, um, and then sort of went into electroanalysis. Although electroanalysis, whenever you're doing synthesis, you often do electroanalysis at the same time. You certainly taught it. Um, but it's really just a difference in scale. So if you're making a measurement on chilies, for example, you could be making that measurement and you could call that analysis. If you increase the electrode dense, the electrode size rather, then you could be transforming the capsaicin in chili into a new product and that would actually be a synthesis. So for us, the difference between synthesis and analysis is just really application and scale. Often we're, um, we're involved in electrochemistry and we happen to be doing it on the sort of analysis side of things. Um, but if you scale up the electrodes, for example, it can actually become a um, synthesis effort. But we're happy to be talking at the Faraday discussion, and that would be in Edinburgh on the 12th to the 14th of July. It's quite nice because we're um, able to go up to Scotland um, and we're able to then also meet with um, other colleagues um, there as well in Glasgow and in Edinburgh. We do do our ZP Developer Zone webinar every Thursday at 8 a.m. London time. You know, we ask for questions or we, we gather questions that have come in um, during the week. And um, the questions that come in and we try to make some um, slides around those. So this week we talk about accuracy of HPLC. HPLC is a great technique, um, but once you start dealing with real samples like chili powders, it's not anywhere as... I don't know, precise and accurate as people really think it is. Um, we did talk about chemical resistors and we have put an extra note out about chemical resistors. We do talk about sensors for metallic elements. Seems to have really gathered, at least on YouTube, some interest that people are interested in um, looking at metals and ions. Um, we were asked about um, making a sensor for glutinate and um, we were able to discuss that as well. And also the use of our pH sensors as well. And I think there was a follow-up question on the pH sensors. pH sensors are, I don't want to, you know, trivialize it, but they're quite straightforward, um, at least the ZP ones um, to use. So we do like to do that webinar every Thursday, 8 a.m. London time, and it will happen this Thursday as well. Questions um, are always constant at ZP, and we're happy to do it. As I say, we did put an extra note out about chemi resistors this week. I think chemi resistor, um, it's really interesting that you've got kind of these classes of these kind of electronic biosensors. You've got biosensors that ZP deals with, which are sort of um, classic electrochemical sensors. Mm. Um, and then you have um, transistor type sensors. And then you have these chemi resistors as well. Um, I think I think there's, the similarity between them is much greater than people really realize. We're all working on the same technology. We just have different language sometimes and different ways of getting the signal out but anyway this chemi resistor really has sort of 
in one form of it, it has two electrodes and there's an electrolyte between them and the electrolyte might be quite solid. Um, and some sort of analyte comes in, interacts with the electrolyte and the resistance of the electrolyte changes and that's measured by these two resistors. So, um, you know, it's, I don't want to trivialize it, but it's similar to a lot of electrochemical techniques. Um, I think people even talk about IV curves. When people talk about IV curves, current versus voltage, it really sounds like linear sweep voltammetry um, to me. And if we cycled back again, you'd call that cyclic voltammetry as well. So at ZP, we do cover all these various um, forms, if I can put it that way, like of um, all these various forms of these um, electronic um, biosensors. Um, something that we've been working hard on and actually put a lot of investment into is uh, malic acid sensors, malate and malic acid sensors. Um, so we um, we have this malic acid sensor and it has a sort of a lot of applications um, in the food and beverage industry. Um, it's interesting actually because I think I'm trying to just think about the applications of the medical industry, but I'm not so sure on the medical industry. But we do have it. We have put a lot of um, let's say investment into it. And when I said you know it has applications in the food and beverage industry, um, for example. It can be used in um, trying to detect the adulteration of pomegranate juice. So pomegranate juice is a kind of high, well, it's obviously a juice of pomegranates, but um, I think it's considered sort of, you know, it's a more expensive um, juice. And in order to cut costs, people adulterate it by diluting it with um, apple. But I think pomegranate, or apple juice, I should say, but pomegranates um, don't have necessarily a lot of um, malic acid in them and but when you but uh, apple juice does have a lot of malic acid in it so when you do this adulteration i.e you dilute the pomegranate juice with apple juice um you do end up introducing malic acid and so you can sort of spot that adulteration by just checking the malic acid concentration so it's kind of a nice example of our malic acid sensor there um also been doing and thinking a lot more about glucose sensors i mean i think you know, ZP is sort of so famous for glucose sensing that we tend not to talk about it quite so much. Um, but in fact, you know, I think of, I think we I think we will start talking about it a lot more because we always talk about glucose in the context of human health and in particular diabetes. But glucose, for example, um, is useful um, in agriculture. So, for example, if potatoes have a high sugar content, they may not be so useful um in preparing potato chips or crisps depending on where, where you are um, but when you sort of slice these chips um sorry potatoes very thinly and then you sort of fry them and produce that kind of crispy snack um if they've got too high a glucose content in them i think they don't fry well and i think they actually sort of blacken um it may be the same for when people make french fries um as well that these things can blacken so you have to know the sugar content and if it's too high they're not good for frying so I know ZP does do a lot of glucose sensors and people know us for it, but I just wanted to talk about applications that um, were essentially outside of just um, human health monitoring and um, sugars in potatoes is one of those um, applications. Something else that's interesting in the food and um, beverage industry is actually total sugars. So total sugars certainly includes um, glucose, fructose, maltose, all the other, let's say, sugars um, as well. Um, 
so when people talk about you know we make a glucose sensor it's very specific to glucose but in the food industry you might want to know what the total sugars are um, which would include at least fructose as well and so we actually do have a sensor that's um you know it's a bit interesting because we try to make sensors that are specific you know put an enzyme on them make them specific to glucose um put an enzyme on them make them specific to fructose then this application we actually want to be broadly applicable to the sugars so we have actually got an electrochemical total sugars um sensor as well um staying on the food um on the foods um and sugars um application you know as i've sort of said now you know glucose is a um, important molecule in medicine biotech industry and obviously food um and so we've sort of trying to highlight the extra applications that um these glucose sensors have in wider industry um rather than just in the medical um space it's kind of interesting because once you step away from human health in fact most of the other applications have sugar in a much higher um concentration so it's interesting that the sensors that we design for human health actually have um, application in um, other spaces but in doing sometimes in doing that you sometimes have to increase the um, linear range um as well which we've um, being pretty good at, um, let's say, doing. So if I was to summarize um, the week, um, obviously we do this podcast every Sunday, but then during the week we also do the um, the ZP Developer Zone webinar. Um, and, you know, as part of that, you know, we do talk about the activities that we're also up to. And one of the activities that we're up to in July is this um, Faraday conference. Um, some of the other um, things that we have or news that we have put out there this week, it's been a lot around um, glucose, measuring sugars and the really the industries that these sugars kind of find themselves in as well. And it is related to this that um, we have a malic acid sensor. We've put quite a lot of effort in the malic acid sensor. Um, and, you know, when you're looking and talking about what can malic acid be used for, well, it is an additive in lots of foods and it's also worth noting that um, it's a good way of spotting adulteration for example in pomegranates so i will wrap up there um as i say this was the second go at this webinar this morning i had a bit of a bandwidth um, issue but i hope that didn't cause people too many problems if you've got any questions of zp don't hesitate to reach out to us um every thursday 8 a.m london time we will do the webinar and of course we just do this wrap up on our news um during every sunday at 8 a.m london time Any questions, don't hesitate to reach out to us. Okay, thanks very much.